Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Supreme Court reverses Roe versus Wade. Welcome to a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Belustin, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. We're also here with Maya Prabhu, AJC Statehouse correspondent who has specialized in covering abortion in Georgia for years now. Let's talk about this ruling. If you're just listening to us for the first time, we invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you'll never miss an episode of Political Georgia. Now let's get right to it. Maya, you've been covering this issue for a very, very long time. Um, you covered the ins and outs of the so-called heartbeat law, the anti-abortion law that Governor Kemp signed into law in 2019. And you were there today at the National Right to Life Convention in Atlanta when the ruling came down and saw the celebration. Maya, this underscores, you know, as, as much as Democrats have opposed this measure and predict it could be a unifying moment for, for, for a party that's really struggling to get, get over a narrative of, of gridlock and economic instability, um, conservatives, too, have, have relished this moment. They, they, they've, they have waited for this moment for years. They've engineered um, an overhaul of, of the federal court system, putting in conservative jurists who would do exactly this, who would... Who would who would fight to, and and push to overturn Roe v. Wade? Yeah, you know it it just uh, you know happenstance that the National Convention of uh, you know the Right to Life organization was holding their convention in Atlanta um, today. When I saw the Supreme Court add Friday as a decision day, something in my gut just told me that today was going to be the day. So we were all, um, there was a general speaker going on that started at 930. We're all in the room. A few of us were sitting in the back, refreshing the Supreme Court page. And someone out in the hallway, you know, right as I saw it, someone out in the hallway screamed, uh, Roe is overturned. And then everyone in the room just burst into applause and tears and hugging and congratulating each other, um, just saying that, you know, they've been waiting for this, waiting and working for this day for a really long time, and they're just elated. Now, Patricia, to say that this is a seismic change in politics in Georgia and beyond, it, it seems like an understatement. I mean, this is going to fundamentally change um, health care um, protections, like for abortion, but not but beyond, privacy protections. Uh, Democrats believe this will also provide a unifying moment to a narrative that, as we mentioned, has been focused on high energy prices, on soaring inflation, on gridlock in Washington. 
Yeah, and I think it really is going to scramble uh, the dynamics, um, especially for voters who have thought they knew how they felt about the issue of abortion. Um, But this has really been largely settled and considered settled with changes on the margins. Um, In Georgia, there have been significant changes on the margins, but the fundamental right for a woman to be able to access abortion has never been a real issue in most voters' minds, a live issue, a or a the way I vote will affect people's lives in uh, July kind of issue. And so I do think this is going to have a huge effect. We did some polling at the beginning of this year. 68% of Georgians uh, said that they were opposed to overturning Roe v. Wade. And that included 42% of Republicans opposed to overturning Roe v. Wade. And so uh, I was I was interested that we did not get a flood of statements from Republican leaders the minute we saw this decision, I think that there has been some um, calculating uh, among both statewide Democrats and statewide Republicans. How do you frame this issue now that it is a live issue? It's something that especially for female voters, women voters, um, they have never dealt with this in a generation in terms of it being a real uh, a possibility that they not, may not be able to access abortion here in this state. Herschel Walker was out very quickly, though. Uh, Herschel Walker, uh, running for Senate, has said that he supports access to abortion with no exceptions. Uh, Raphael Warnock, likewise, was out very quickly and has almost the near opposite position on that. And so I think uh, this bumps abortion way up to a top issue for voters in a way that it people have said they care about abortion, but now they're really voting on the future of abortion. And Maya, of course, we got a glimpse of this with the leaked opinion um, a few months ago from Politico. Um, and now we're seeing it. You know, we're seeing this dynamic play out. And even back then, you know, Democrats were predicting exactly what Patricia said, that this would be a galvanizing moment. It would be a polarizing moment um, for a party that has been struggling with its response to inflation and energy prices and the like. And Patricia's right, Maya. You know, we, we heard from some Republicans who immediately said life wins and and celebrated the ruling. Others, it's tricky ground. I mean, Governor Kemp's um, statement sort of epitomizes that. He talks about how um, he celebrated the ruling, and, and but you know, his main focus, he said, was on implementing the the, the 2019 anti-abortion bill that he he signed into law. Um, he's saying that it could save the lives of of you know thousands of unborn children. Um, there is not going to be necessarily a victory lap, though, I don't think, from a lot of Republicans. Instead, we're going to hear from a lot of Democrats um, about the the perils of this ruling. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, a, a couple of thoughts. Like one thing that I heard after the, the leaked opinion was released that, you know, there were a lot of more moderate Republicans who voted in support of the legislation banking on the Supreme Court kind of saving them, so to speak. Like, they didn't agree with the legislation. They thought that the Supreme Court, they're like, well, where was the law of the land? They thought that the Supreme Court would save them. And now it's kind of like, you know, one of the lobbyists I spoke with, it's like the the, the dog who caught the car. It's like, oh, what do, what do we do now? Like, this is actually going to be law in Georgia. And, you know, speaking of implementing our law here, um, you know, we have to remember that Georgia's law is different from most of the other laws that were, you know, uh, passed in that wave in 2019 and 2020, um, because we have, you know, these so-called personhood, uh, uh, personhood, you know, rights that are given to 
a fetus when it reaches a place where they can detect fetal cardiac activity, right? Which, as we all know, can be as early as six weeks, which means, you know, fetuses are going to are according to what's written in the law, fetuses are supposed to be counted in the state's population. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be able to claim, um, you know, as a dependent on your taxes, you'll be able to file for child support, right? Once uh, fetal cardiac is detected, fetal cardiac activity is detected. And I remember in 2019 talking to state agencies about like, how are you guys going to implement all this? And they were kind of like, I don't know. You know, I think they also thought that the Supreme Court would would block it and they it wouldn't have to be a thing. Um, you know, I assume since the leak op- leaked opinion, they started actually taking this more seriously and have started mm-hmm. figuring out how they're going to implement those portions of the law. But, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, what if you are pregnant for a portion of the year and then you have a miscarriage. Like, can you claim the fetus on your taxes or not? What if you're pregnant more than once in a year? You know, people, a lot of people with fertility issues will have multiple pregnancies in a year. So, you know, it's just all of these unanswered questions of how that portion of the law, especially is going to be implemented in Georgia. Yeah. Patricia, Maya makes a great point. So many Georgians, so many lawmakers, so many Republican lawmakers who supported this anti-abortion bill even um, thought, thought even just a few years ago that a ruling that would reverse Roe v. Wade, which has been a, a landmark Supreme Court ruling for nearly 50 years, right? It's been a funda- fundamental cornerstone of our nation's laws for for a half century. Uh, they thought it would be unthinkable it would, it would be overturned. And now here we are. And, you know, we're talking about the Georgia implications, but um, I talked to Senator Jen Jordan, who's the Democratic nominee for attorney general, and she said basically there'll be a tsunami, a tsunami of legal cases all over the nation um, now that this this ruling has been struck down because it's it underpins so much of our of our case law uh, with with right to privacy, with health care legislation, with, uh, you know, opens all sorts of doors um, that were still not remotely clear. I mean, we're just in the opening phases of this. We're not remotely clear how vast reach, far reaching this ruling will be. Yeah, the right to privacy that was granted and uh, uh, codified in Roe v. Wade is the underpinning of so many major Supreme Court decisions that I think um, people may not be aware of. Um, And that includes uh, the right to uh, gay marriage. That includes um, contraception questions. That includes questions of um, all kinds of uh, personal decisions that people make. The Supreme Court has gone back to that concept of privacy. So um, now that the idea that there is a concept of privacy that is not protected by the Supreme Court, that does open the door to um, I think, immense legal challenge. I think it also opens the door to a lot of questions about fertility treatments. I don't know how this Georgia General Assembly doesn't now start the conversation of, well, now a six-week abortion man is almost um, arbitrary in the conversation that we know happens on uh, the right, um, and that is that uh, life begins at conception. So if life begins at conception and that is codified into law, um, you are really talking about an overhaul and a, a radical change to the concept of fertility treatment for people who want to bring a baby into this world. Um, and I think it. Uh, we, there are so many issues where once lawmakers start legislating in areas that are heavily technical, you have unintended consequences 
that are uh, literally unforeseen until it happens. And so um, this, I think, will have a cascading effect. We were all there in 2019 when this debate was happening. And part of the reporting and part of the debate was, but it will probably be held up by the Supreme Court. You know, this has been, this has passed. However, expect this to be stopped by the courts. Um, Now that that's not the case, that conversation is totally different practically and politically. And Maya has some great reporting um, on the AJC.com and as well as I'm sure it will be in the print paper um, about the implications of this ruling on Georgia's law. We talked about um, Herschel Walker's response, Brian Kemp's response. Um, Senator Raphael Warnock, who always labels himself a pro-choice pastor, said, I've always believed a patient's room is too small a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. This misguided decision is devastating for women and families in Georgia and nationwide. Uh, we also have a response from Stacey Abrams, um, who called the decision appalling. Let's listen. As a woman, I am appalled. As a Georgian, I am enraged. As an American, I am disgusted by this abdication of all we hold dear. We are better people than this. And we deserve to have our freedoms protected, not stripped away. Maya, this to me just sets up, you know, Senator Jordan said this, Georgia is going to be the the premier battleground over reproductive rights. Um, And it really seems to be, we're we're already the premier battleground for so many fights in in the nation, whether it be um, access to the ballot or just being the the most closely divided political state in the nation. Um, But now add abortion rights to the list. Yeah, I think, you know, the hope among Democrats, like you said earlier, is that this this is going to like galvanize folks to come out in droves to vote for Democratic candidates. And, you know, on the on the other side of things, you know, I think Republicans are going to one of the statements that was made, you know, right after it was revealed to the at the convention that this decision had come down was like, you know, now we have to prove to um, now we have to prove to the other side that we are not just pro-birth, that we are really pro-life and we care about um, pregnant mothers. We care about mothers after they have children. We care about the children once they're here. And so I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of legislation next year um, and a lot of talk, you know, from candidates this year about what can be done to kind of deal with what will likely be an influx of births happening in Georgia and and what's going to happen to these kids where there are parents who might not be able to care for them. Glad you mentioned that. We'll talk more about that after a quick break. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want the blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment. 
only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is a special episode talking about the immediate aftermath of the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we're also here with our special guest, Maya Prabhu, who has been covering abortion rights for the AJC for years now. She is the paper's in-house expert on all things dealing with reproductive rights. And she's also a frequent contributor to the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes in the agenda in Georgia politics. For a limited time, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. That includes all of our political coverage, investigations, breaking news like this one, and our newsletters like The Jolt for less than a buck. It's our best offer of the year for the best journalism in Georgia. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. And, and Maya, I mean, we're still going through this ruling, but even conservative activists, e- even folks who have been closely watching this, were surprised um, ab- about the scope of this 6-3 court ruling that was just handed out a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm you know, here at this National Right to Life Convention and speaking with uh, anti-abortion activists who said, well, after the opinion was leaked, they thought that Justice Roberts would be able to broker some type of deal or compromise where maybe they might focus specifically on the Dobbs case out of Mississippi, which banned abortions at, at 15 weeks. And they thought it might be like a 15-week abortion, first trimester, you can have abortion after the first trimester, you wouldn't be able to. And so even you know, some of these Republican activists on the ground were were surprised that it was a complete reversal of Roe versus Wade. And, you know, now they're figuring out what they're going to do next. Patricia, you know, we, we've written a lot about this. There are, you know, not only is there political cl- partisan clashing between Democrats and Republicans, this sets up some some internal partisan intraparty warfare, really, in a sense. There are a lot of Republicans who advocated for a special legislative session should Roe v. Wade be turned, overturned um, to call for an outright total ban on abortion in Georgia. Uh, and we've seen this issue go from a fringe one from candidates, you know, that only the very far right sort of candidates embraced to one that um, every U.S. Senate Republican contender on the ballot all supported an outright ban on abortions, even in case of rape, incest, and when the life of the of the mother is at stake. We've seen down ticket candidates also embrace that platform. And so there will be um, some, you know, internal feuding between advocates of, hey, let's keep the laws the way they are. They're already pretty restrictive. And those who want to take a step further now that they have the Supreme Court win. Yeah, I think it's um, the timing is really interesting now that it comes after the primary runoffs um, and get and really just comes after the primary season. So I think if they if this were, uh, you know, just weeks before those GOP primaries, uh, it probably would have we probably would have seen even more of those kinds of statements supporting um, uh, an outright right ban on abortion. Um, but I think it's just so important when when we're covering that, discussing it, an outright ban on abortion means no exception if a woman has been told by her doctor this pregnancy will kill you. Um, no abortion if uh, there are fatal, fetal abnormalities. It's telling that woman, 
sorry, keep going for 40 weeks. You can do it. You know, it just it is such an overhaul of the way women live their lives right now in Georgia, um, even with an existing existing limits on abortion. And so um, it is I don't think that quite the the debate, I think, will include a lot of that. um, But it has really just become so overwhelmed by political dynamics, uh, to your point, um, for every Senate candidate to say, I, I support an, you know, a full a ban on abortion. Um, that is just not a position that we saw even um, five or 10 years ago. And for all four of those GOP candidates, that it really demonstrates the power of the far right. Um, and the power of the far right largely comes from its uh, from Christian conservatives. I mean, that this is why um, Donald Trump was elected. He promised to put these kinds of uh, decisions uh, up to the courts and for the courts to have conservative justices on them. Uh, Trump also uh, put a number of conservative judges on lower Supreme Courts and lower courts um, around the state. And so uh, around the states, rather. So I think it's uh, it is as galvanizing as it is on the left. It has been really the secret to victory on the right, and so it will. This is a decision that will not be easily settled, um, even when the the venue for it looks like it has been settled. That this will be fought at the state level. And Maya, we should note that the ruling doesn't ban abortions across the country. Of course, what it says is that you know states like Georgia can enact their own abortion restrictions that go well beyond what previously in the books. And, you know, what that also means on the ground level is that, yeah, women will still be able to travel to other states um, with with far broader abortion right access. But those that will tend to you know, benefit women of means, right? Uh, women who have the resources to go travel to another state um, where they can, you know, pr- get access to um, abortion procedures. And these women do, will disproportionately be uh, wealthier and they'll disproportionately be whiter. And this is going to have an outsized impact, a disproportionate impact on people who have less money, less resources, and people who tend to be people of color. Yeah, and, you know, it takes me back to one of the stories that I did in 2019 where I spoke with folks who had abortions before um, Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. And, And they talked about how, you know, they were they were fortunate that they were of means and able to travel to a place where they could have an abortion done and, um, and how, and and it was interesting because, you know, we talked to two women and one came down and she was on the abortion right side and one came down and she was on the anti-abortion side. And it was just, you know, everyone who's been talking about the overturning of Roe, has said, you know, we're going to go back to the time before Roe v. Wade when um, wealthy, you know, white people are going to be able to travel out of state and have abortions performed and, um, you know, low-income women of color are not going to be able, you know, they're going to be forced to carry children to term. They're not going to be able to take time off work or, you know, most people who have abortions already have children get childcare, travel, pay for that. And, you know, it's just going to disproportionately, like you said, affect these, these communities um, in a way that, you know, folks who look like the people who've made these decisions might not have to deal with. Um, my I have a quick question. You wrote earlier for the AJC today um, about what happens next. What are, what are the practical implications? Where does the Georgia law stand now? I know it's held up in the courts. But what 
is what's the timeline on that and and what's the next step? So the timeline is not exactly clear. I'm sure it will be quick. Um, But, you know, the abortion rights activists that I've spoken to today have, you know, they're saying the same thing. As of today, abortion is still legal in Georgia. So the federal appeals court will have to make some type of decision. You know, they put this uh, decision on hold after hearing the case last year and said that they were going to wait to see what happened with Dobbs and and they were going to follow the lead of of the Supreme Court. So now that Dobbs has come down, the the appeals court has to make the decision of whether they're going to be the ones to say like, okay, well, this is what the Supreme Court said. So, you know, there's a possibility that they could send it back to the lower court and say, you know, now you have to deal with it. And, you know, that judge will also still rule in the same way. Something that that folks that that might be a little bit less clear is that, again, they're they're the two portions to the law. There's a portion that regulates abortion and then there's a portion that grants rights to the unborn and there is a there is a chance that they could separate those two issues and say okay you know the court ruled on abortion you know this law this portion of the law goes into effect but these um these quote you know quote unquote personhood rights are you know too complicated and we're gonna we're gonna strike them down so you know it remains to be seen i'm sure either the um, appeals court will call for a hearing or issue you uh, a ruling in the days to come. But as of right now, you know, abortion providers are telling people, keep your appointments, you know, come in. Abortion is still legal until we hear from the appeals court. Uh, Patricia, before we wrap up, we've talked about um, the Republican response, the Republican internal um, fissures. Let's talk about the Democrats for a little bit, because there'll be a lot of new pressure on Democrats in Congress to codify Roe v. Wade, to codify these these protections for abortion rights nationwide. Of course, there is a 60-vote threshold that Senate Democrats need to overcome to overcome a filibuster. There'll be a lot more attention on whether or not to roll back that threshold in the in the in the case of abortion. Uh, we already know that Senator Warnock uh, supports this, but of course, you'll you'll need um, other. Um, Democratic support, and you might need a, a crossover vote from Republicans, one or two of them, in order to to get this change implemented. I think um, we, I think that some Republicans would be up in the air on this, and I think that even somebody like Senator Joe Manchin has already said today that he is shocked by this decision. That he felt like when he. Um, got commitments, uh, especially from um, uh, John Roberts and uh, other justices, Republican justices, who said what they consider Roe v. Wade to be settled law. Um, That is a way of saying, I will not be overturning Roe v. Wade. (laughs) I mean, that is what that question is for. Do you consider a a settled law? All of these hearings, that's that's the goal of that question. And so I think for um, some of these senators, especially Susan Collins, a Republican from Maine, um, to see that the commitments they felt like they were given by some of these justices, uh, that they did not live up to those commitments, I think they may be ready to vote um, to codify um, access to abortion. How exactly that would interact with this decision and how exactly it would interact with state law I don't know. It really depends on what kind of uh, bill they draft. Um, I think there would be some level of GOP support. I don't know that it would get over 60. And again, it, it really depends on what that uh, what that legislation looked like. 
Well, we will have so much more coverage on this issue. Uh, Patricia, Maya, thank you so much for joining us on short notice to talk about this monumental decision. You can, uh, Our listeners, you can look at AJC.com and find right now at this very moment probably a dozen stories about the impact in Georgia, and you'll see so many more, um, uh, so much more coverage going ahead, about the conservative viewpoints, about democratic viewpoints, and just the overall um, debate over abortion rights. Coming up on this feed on Sunday, we'll go a different route. We're going to take you inside the AJC investigation, Dangerous Dwelling series. You can also catch up on our runoff election coverage. It's been a busy week, folks, as well. And you can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday and Friday. And as you well know, special episodes whenever news breaks. We will see you next time on Political Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,